Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. And give you a little introduction since I can do that, which is great. And the clothes swap just reminded me. Um, I love the background music most of the time, but we'll probably um, probably cut the background music. I know. I'll just keep it going then. Um, I I forgot what I was going to say now. Lindsay, it's great to have you here. Lindsay is preaching today. How about that? Clothes swap. That was it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's just that clothes swap. It's like the gospel. It's like the gospel in a sentence. Just swap the clothes. God swaps all these things, and you put them on. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Very exciting. And the point of all that was the word I thought about when I was trying to think of, oh, Lindsay's preaching. That's amazing. I'm excited. What is it about Lindsay that is so... Lindsay? (laughs) And the word humility was what came to me. It's like humility. It just is a beautiful gift that Lindsay has had ever since I met her before... Um, Aaron was even married to her, and then you brought her to the youth group here, and um, ever since, humility. You carry humility. I believe that is a word from God for you, Lindsay. Just to encourage you, and the promise is, humility is the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 22 says. It's the wages of riches. It's, the, it's wages are riches and honor and life. So let's honor Lindsay now and just give her a warm, 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 warm welcome in Jesus' name. Bless you. Have fun. Ooh. One second, folks. I have to get ready. I have to get my notes ready, you know. I've tried doing the hands-free thing, but it was just not working. I thought, I'll try lots of cards and do it like that, you know. But it didn't work either. So you'll just have to stay with me right here, and I'll maybe do this. <laughs> to keep some interest going, and it means I can still focus on my notes. <laughs> okay. Well, what a great privilege it is to come and speak to you. And um, God has uh, been so kind um, and just given me this opportunity. Thank you, Eden, for letting me come up and speak. Um, should I say it's time to get some drives back? Any kind of wee sneaky marks made from my husband back to me? Oh, here comes a posy picture. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know. No, no. There we go. So there we go. Okay. Yes. I'm just going to start by praying, so I get my focus right at the start. Whoops. It's not good for heels, ladies. Note to self. Okay. Thank you, God, for this great day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the lover of our souls, God. Father, it's Father's Day, and we want to say we are so grateful that you are in our lives, that you are the Father that wants to 
uh, love upon us, that wants to share your thoughts with us, it wants to share your heart with us, God. And Lord, we want to say we love you and we are open to what you want to say to us as individuals, God, and as your church. We love you, Jesus, and we say amen. Amen. Great, guys. Great. Well, you know, I'm going to speak to you on um, making your mark. There you go, making your mark. Um, recently, I had the privilege of speaking at Adorn, which is the ladies' meetings. And if you haven't been along to Adorn um, before, I would encourage you to try and come along and uh, get yourself connected in with some ladies. It's great to come together and build one another up, and that's what the nights are about. And I spoke recently on holding God's hand. Um, and God just really spoke to me on really just the, the beauty in holding God's hand, and there's lots to be found in it. I shared that with the ladies, and Aaron said, yeah, bring that on Sunday morning. I was like, no. I was like, oh, the ladies heard it. They'll be so bored. He's like, no, do it. I'm like, no, I'll do part two. So, girls, it's okay. I may share some small snippets of what I said, but don't worry. You don't need to switch off, girls. This is making your mark. And God has, we have a loving Father that's designed us with incredible um, differences, um, incredible, um, we look all different, and we probably smell different, and we see each other differently, and we actually have unique identities. And most of you will know that we all have unique fingerprints. Uh, we have unique markings, we have unique fingerprints, we have a unique impact on the world that's around us. Um, and you all have unique gifts and talents. And one of the um, ones that we see every week is the band that's up. George has an incredible talent with his guitar. And there's lots of other, you know, there's Nathan, he's got another incredible gift on the guitar. And David, who's not here just now. <laughs> but I'm just looking at them where they were to give you the impression And Miriam was here. And also there was Roland on the drums, lots of great talents, but more than musical talents, God gives us specific individual talents and you may feel that your talent is sufficient to make an impact. But I want to tell you there's something more that is within you that God wants to use for you to make an impact on this world around you. Um, you know, when we think about what we touch, the things we touch, we can touch. Our fingers are incredible. They'll pick up um, whether something's smooth. We Immediately, if I said velvet, you would know immediately how velvet feels. Um, if a cactus, we were to touch it, it would be sore. We know heat. We know cold. We can have an influence on what we touch, and we can be influenced by what we touch. But how much of an influence is your touch making on the world around you? And that's what I really want to encourage you with today, because I believe God loves to be in little details. How many times do you recognize God in the small details of your day and you think, wow, that is so cool. That has to have been God. You know, the tiniest details are sometimes more telling than the, big, the bigger picture. And criminology is tight on this. Um, you know, in British culture, we're um, maybe not the most touchy-feely people, we will shake someone's hand when we make, uh, meet them for the first time. You know, we're happy to shake their hand and say, hey, how are you doing? But after that, you know, next time we see them, we'll be like, all right. Maybe not shake their hand or maybe not touch them again or maybe we'll gently pat them, but usually it goes away. Um, and then you get the other extremes in British culture because we know or we've learned a lot that we become a wee bit germaphobic. 
and you come in on a Sunday morning and you're like, hey, fist pump. <laughs> or you go to the public toilets and you're like, you have to get out the door and you're like, oh no, I'm going to have to touch the door handle. And you're waiting on someone exiting and you're like, oh hey, how'd I go without touching the handle? Um, actually, there was one morning I came and, and somebody had come out the toilets and they were eager to shake my hand and I was like, hey, how you doing? I shook their hand and their hand was warm and it was wet at the same time. But it wasn't kind of warm and wet of a good situation. It was kind of like, I don't know, you wash your hands. And I'm like, yay. I'm like, you know what? Germs don't hurt you, but words can. So the important thing was, hey, good to see you. And then straight back into the toilet to wash my hands. <laughs> But we're all there with, ah, I don't know if I want to touch that. But I want to, again, just remind you, God has a good laugh with you. But he wants to say something this morning that touch is important. It really is. And if I can get you, actually, one more other thing about your touch. In the Soviet Union in the 60s, they um, actually looked at people's fingerprints to see their potential later on in life, which is phenomenal. Fingerprints do tell you a lot, but they were looking for something called neuromuscular potential. So your impact, your touch, people can look at your fingerprints and can actually see a lot from it. So let me rewind a wee minute. Your fingerprints are made in the womb, which is phenomenal. They're made, I've had a look into this, and some... um, information that I found suggests that they're formed in when you're 10 weeks inside your mum's womb as such and they're formed and they can be influenced by the amount of uh, amniotic fluids and they're influenced by the space that was in there and what the baby was grasping which is phenomenal but God it says God knits us together in our mother's womb when that fingerprint is formed, it is with you for the rest of your life. It doesn't change. It doesn't alter. Yes, your hands get bigger, and so does your print go with that. But it's the exact same print that was there. Even if you had a career that caused your fingerprint to somehow kind of disintegrate a wee bit, say if you were washing dishes all the time, your fingerprint might um, fade slightly, but when you come away from that career, it will come back really strong again, exact same. So your fingerprints don't change, yet your touch and influence is powerful. Like I was saying that in the 60s when they had a look, they could, um, at the fingerprint, they could see something called neuromuscular potential. Sounds bizarre, but a fingerprint can tell you a lot. And they were able to look at people's fingerprints and say, yeah, we want this person trained up in athletics and they will be good, so on, going forward. Um, However, God doesn't choose those who are fit. He outfits those whom he chooses. So I want you to feel that there's no specific gifts, talents, or inadequacies that we can have as individuals that rule us out for being used by God. And God wants to affirm to you today that you are special. You have a plan and your touch is important. And to take that, let's have a look in Jeremiah This is Jeremiah 1, verse 5 and 6. And I'll be reading from the message translation. It says, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a prophet to the nation. That's what I had in mind for you. But I said, 
Hold it, Master God. I'm only a boy. If I can stop for a wee second and say, how often do we say, hang on a minute? How many people like scotch and rye? No, wait a minute. And when God says, you are capable of this and this and this, you say, no, wait a minute. I'm only. God says in the next verse, don't say I'm only. And goes on to say, I'll tell you where to go. I'll tell you what to say. And I'll be right there with you. I want you to kind of remember that verse as we kind of move on. Um, in Isaiah 41, 13, it says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand or your strong hand if you're left-handed and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And God has got you by the hand and he wants to remind you that he's got you by the hand, but to be an influence with that. Now, the, with, when I was with the ladies, I shared an incredible story of a clinical psychologist who'd gone on to do um, some interesting research because he was stunned at the effect of um, holding hands. He had treated a, a gentleman for post-traumatic stress disorder, but the phenomenal kind of progress that this man made from simply holding someone's hand was much more fast than it was if he hadn't been holding his hand. And basically, from his research, he went on to do brain imaging scans and found that the act of holding someone's hand that you love causes your brain waves to sync with that person. So holding someone's hand that you love, when you're holding their hand, your brainwave actually sinks. When, so this has been quite researched. I would encourage you to have a look into that story. It's a fascinating story, Dr. James Cowan. Um, but if we think for a moment that our brainwaves sink with who we're holding hands, God takes hold of your right hand. You have that opportunity to sink your mind with a prince of peace and in Isaiah it says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. So that kind of shift of when we are holding God's hand, that we have the mind of Christ, has now been proven almost in scientific research. There you go, guys. But not only that, when we sink our minds with Christ, he infuses something into us. He gives us our, our unique touch, but he infuses his strength into us, his peace into us. It says in Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but Christ infuses inner strength inside us. Now, are we given strength? Um, are we given love? Are we given comfort from God all just for ourselves, which is beautiful? And God has given it as a gift for us, or does God want us to take that to someone else? Because it says in Second Corinthians 1 4 that we are comforted to comfort others. We are encouraged to encourage others. We have something that's an overflow, something that's a blessing, but something that's unique to you is your individual story, the individual way that God has got your life, has imprinted on your life, is to be impacting and moving through to someone else's life. You know, we have a lot of hopeless situations around us, like it's so sad that people are taking their own lives because 
They don't have that strength from knowing God, his promises that are for us are yes and amen. But your unique story, I want to encourage you, can make that difference from taking your courage that God's given you and going to someone else. And instead of them relying on Dutch courage, just for you guys, but everyone knows what it is, relying on the bottle, we bring in the courage of Christ. Being in his presence will infuse us with boldness. Let me tell you a story from Acts in the Bible. If you want to turn, you can. We're going to Acts in 3, chapter 3. I'll give you a moment if you want to find it on your devices or if you've got your Bibles with me. Um, this is a story where James, sorry, Peter and John uh, were going to church usual week in their calendar. They were going to a prayer meeting, and they happened to walk past um, someone that was crippled from birth, and they were put at the gate, the entranceway, so that people going to church would pass by them, maybe have compassion, and give them a gift of some sort. Um, So let's pick it up in verse 4. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us, Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled him, pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. That's amazing, just from the act of touch. Now, he shared the power of the name of Jesus, but it was when they reached out and they touched the man and brought him to his feet that power moved through it. The man was expecting a gift. And people often expect things from you. Um, As Christians, they might expect you to bring something but they necessarily don't expect for a heaven touchdown. And I believe that God wants to uh, take heaven through you to reach the people around you. Let's um, carry that on. So, incredible as it is, um, everyone's like, wow, loads of people start to say, that's the man that was crippled from birth. He's in his 40s, he's walking, he's jumping, that's phenomenal. Lots of people got saved at that moment. As you would expect, people are amazed. Let's carry on and go to chapter 4. And we're going to take it from um, verse 5. Now, in that time, the Jewish leaders had um, been annoyed by the situation. They were still against Jesus. They they still didn't believe who who he said he was. And they were angry at the thought, of this news spreading that Jesus was awesome, Jesus can heal, and etc. And they put Peter and John in prison overnight, and then they brought them to before them the next day. So in verse chapter four, verse five, it says, "The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there with." Caiaphas, John Alexander, and others who were members of the high priest family. So basically, all the really highly educated people in church, um, top ones, were, were all there. They made Peter and John stand in front of the con- council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us by what power and authority have you done these things? 
Sorry, one second. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, answered, respected elders and leaders of the people, listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This stone this, sorry, this Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected, and now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. And in verse 13 it says, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men. If I just pause for a moment, take you back to Jeremiah, and it, when, when it says, hold, when the man says, hold it, God, I am only. You can't say, I am only when you're with God, when God is with you. I am only a fisherman. I am only a laborer. I am only a student. I am only got these grades. No, 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 no. When you have God with you, you can be everything God has called you to be. Ah, my phone's just gone off. Hang on. Get back on. Right, here we go. So the bold colored, sorry, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. How cool is that? Just by spending time with Jesus, There will be a boldness and a courage that will come on you to speak fluently, to speak courageously, to speak the right words that God will give you because God said, don't say I am only. I will tell you where to go. I will tell you what to say and I will be right there with you. And Jesus says, I take hold of your right hand and I says, I'm going to help you. So Jesus wants you to bring your story to make an impact on those around you. So what's in your hand? What is your story? What's your gift, your unique mark? Now, fingerprints in the 1870s, there was a man called Henry Folds. Uh, He was a Scottish physician, but he was in Japan. That's right. (laughs) He was in Japan. And he happened to be looking at this 2,000-year-old pottery shards, and he noticed that there was a fingerprint ingrained on it. And he thought, wow. That's lasted for thousands of years. I'm going to see if we've all got unique fingerprints. So he happened in 1872 to basically fingerprint all his colleagues around the hospital and found, wow, actually everybody's fingerprint's unique. That's incredible. Now also at the time, there happened to be a wee, a wee chancer in the hospital who was stealing the booze. I don't know how they had booze in the hospital, are they? Maybe it was a pain relief or something. <laughs> well, he noticed, and the person was taking the Dutch courage, we'll call it, <laughs> from a beaker, and they left their fingerprint on it. Now, Henry faltered, well, I have fingerprinted the, all the colleagues. I will be able to figure if this fingerprint matches up with it. And it did. And boom, he solved a crime which is phenomenal, and he went and told, he shared his research, and so the process of fingerprint development, etc., went on and grew. 
from different times, but fast forward all the way to now, is Becky here? Okay, she's great at forensic science, but anyway, forensic science today is phenomenal in what it can research from your fingerprint alone. It's a cool picture, your fingerprint, but more than that, they can actually discover something called biomarkers or on your fingertips, which give um, information about your health, your lifestyle, your actions, and your routines, all in a fingerprint. So my fingerprints would tell you a whole lot. Anyway, I'm watching this clock flying by, so I'm just going to zoom past that one. So, yeah, so basically, Michelangelo, here's another cool quote for you. Michelangelo said, to touch is to give life. So your touch, yes, it will give a lot of information. If someone were to come and take my fingerprints from here, they could gather a lot of information of who I was. But to touch is to give life. Yes, to paint a Sistine Chapel, it's given life. What else? Mother Teresa says, there is more hunger for love and appreciation in this earth than there is for bread. And we actually know in this country alone, our government has invested a minister for loneliness. Teresa, no, not Teresa, may have set this up. And the minister for loneliness is Tracy Crouch. They've referred to this as a generational challenge that we face. And we have so much at our fingertips, boom, in this country. But yet, we are one of the loneliest peoples because we move in isolation. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce and kind of um, described hell as moving further and further and further away from everyone around you to complete isolation because loneliness can kill you. Um, Loneliness is as harmful to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And you know what? Medical studies have proven that physical touch boosts our immune system. It helps our psychological state. I've already told you the story of it can sink our minds. And everyone knows that a hug feels great from someone that you love and is special. The British Reserve might get a bit of a stiff back, but touch is, is healing, guys. And your story can bring a healing touch to someone. Um, Jesus says in the Psalms, well, God says in the Psalms, Um, He sets the lonely in families. Why is that important in families? It's okay to come up and give them a hug and say, hey, how you doing? You can be affectionate with your family. Well, I believe God wants us to make an imprint on the world, even just by tapping someone on the back. God is a hands-on God. You know, this is quite interesting as well. Research shows that a basketball team in the first half of all their kind of games, they recorded how many times they touched each other, they fist-pumped, body pumped and every other kind of way that they cheer one another on or sympathize with one another on Um, from everything. Supposedly, they smack each other on the butt as well. But the more touchy the team were, the better they did in the second half. Phenomenal insight, but it communicates cooperation and trust. And people can detect emotions from even a one-second touch, which is phenomenal. And another professor was quite interested in this, and he decided to take it a wee bit further, and his name was Dacher Kiltner. And uh, he was a professor over in America somewhere. And he decided, can you convey compassion through touch? And he thought, well, I'm going to do a wee study here. And he got a stranger involved on one side, and he says, right, stick your arm through the curtain, and I'll get another stranger to try and convey through a touch an emotion to see if you're able to interpret what that emotion is. 
And majority of the time, they actually were able to convey the emotion from compassion to disgust to fear to anger to love. Majority of the time, they did, which just, again, emphasizes the, the importance is, um, that touch is, is to really lift someone, etc. One interesting finding, though, from that study is they didn't always get it. For example, when a lady had her arm through the curtain and a man touched her arm at the other side trying to convey compassion, she had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> and equally, when a man had his hand through the curtain and a lady tried to, convin- to convey anger, again, he had no idea what she was doing. <laughs> so maybe we need to link up touch with affirmation and words of encouragement, words from your story, that your story matters, your story makes an impact. You know, it says that you'll know my disciples by how they love one another. And that says that in John 13 and 34. So love everyone so that they know who you belong to. You know? Are you leaving a trace? Is your love so contagious that people want to know a wee bit more? Edmund Lockhart's principle, another forensic scientist, um, said that every contact leaves a trace. And the way we treat or regard someone matters. Imagine if your contact leaves a trace, it will eventually lead someone back to encountering the God that you love and serve because you're holding God's hand and impacting and touching them. And I just want to encourage you to reach out and just really encourage someone with just even just a pat on the back or get back to, you know, grasping hello to someone when you shake their hands. Um, It's Father's Day. Embrace your dads. Embrace the men around the church and say, Happy Father's Day. Don't freak out because we're British and we can't do it. You know, it says in uh, in 1 Peter 5, I think it's 15 or 16, that that they were encouraged to greet each other with a holy kiss. I don't think they would go down so well. We would say it's cultural. Well, that's cultural. That's not for Britain. (laughs) But I would say, take your hand and encourage someone. High five them. Give them, you know, a, a quick hug. You know, how you doing? Just be careful, guy, girl thing, you know. Not doing, not you know. You know, it says, you know, there's amazing things. God, God's an awesome God. It says in Galatians 6 and verse 2. Uh, one second. I'm going to fire it back here. Let's get back to Galatians 6. How cool is it that we have touch technology in our phone? Because the world knows that a lot can happen with touch. Okay, so Galatians 6 and 2 says, Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. Love empowers us. And remember when I was sharing the story of the church praying after Peter and John had done that miracle, they prayed out, Empower us, God to stretch out your hand through us. You know, we should be praying, empower us, Lord, with your love, so that when you stretch out your hand through us, that your love is reaching, that it's reaching out and it's impacting, that it's drawing a trace that will return back to Christ and follow that back. You know, it's last verse, because I want to leave this with you. It says, and everyone knows 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. It's read out at weddings all the time. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. Love doesn't envy. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 14? I'm like, I don't know. 
Some of you might know. Okay, so here it is, 1 Corinthians 14. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowment gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Wow. So yeah, be impactful with your love. Be impactful with your touch and your story because it matters. And it may be what matters most to draw people back to eternity. But more than love, we have a connection to an awesome God who has, in Psalm 139, innumerable thoughts about us during the day or our life. It says his thoughts for us outnumber the sand. Does that mean it just thinks about us or does he think about the lost? And when you have an opportunity to meet, to connect, to reach out and reach someone, how cool would it be as if you brought something that God was thinking about them to them. Because we hear God and we need to be able to convey and translate God to other people to draw them in because that really captures people's attention because they are interested in their future and will seek out people to tell their future. Palm readers, um, psychics, people are hungry for a wee bit of their future. You give them a word that God is thinking about them, you'll capture their hearts straight away. So I want to encourage you, I invite the team back up. George, you're on the desk. What a man, eh? Happy Father's Day to George, eh? Doing loads. I would say a, a George of all trades. It'll be a new saying. <laughs> um, but God is God. You know, God is awesome. God loves to bless us with strength, comfort, love. Yes, for you, but to take it out, to take your fingerprints, to make an impact, to imprint on others the beauty of heaven, to take that out. But I want to say, does anyone want prayer this morning to hear God's voice clearer? Some people are, um, have got a beautiful gift of prophecy and really can hear God. But, you know, it just says there in First Corinthians 14 that we should eager desire the gift of prophecy to make that mark and to, to draw people closer with the thumbprints of God's word. And I just want to encourage you just to stand and as the band starts to play um, and lead us in a time of worship again, that presence that's going to give you the boldness and the courage to be who God wants you to be. Just like Peter and John recognized by spending time in Jesus' presence, this soak up time is awesome. But soak up to hear what God says about you. All those thoughts that he's thought about you today already. Father's Day is awesome. We have an awesome father. What is he thinking about you this morning? What is he thinking about your friends this morning? How often do you ask God, speak to me? How often do you ask God, speak to me about my friend? And tell him that, you know, something that will draw him to you, God. Because we know how much God matters to us. We need others to realize that they matter to God as well. Yeah? So if anyone wants prayer, I just encourage you to come forward and we'll pray for you that you can hear God's voice on a new level and to be able to boldly prophesy and to boldly speak out what you believe God is saying to make your mark impactful. Guys, take it away.